Welcome to the Eagle and Child podcast, where we share the stories and thoughts of church history's heroes to inspire and equip the church of today. I'm your host, Leila Nahavandi, and we hope you enjoy this episode. to the Eagle and Child podcast. It is so good to have you with us today. I am super, super, super excited and very honored to be talking with my next guest. Uh, His name is Pastor Landon McDonald. He is a pastor in Phoenix, Arizona, um, but grew up in Chicago and pastored there for many years as well. He's got a degree in theology, just a brilliant mind for biblical studies and biblical theology. He has an incredible YouTube channel. I think called Pastor Landon. He'll he'll correct me in a moment if that's not correct. But with just amazing content, you have to check out this ministry, just resourcing the local church everywhere. And today he's going to be talking to us about the Prince of Preachers, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. So welcome, Pastor Landon. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast. I think it's really fun. And I will certainly... I, I was telling you before we started rolling that yeah. I certainly will will uh, count myself honored to be in the list of guests that you have had <laughs> on this podcast. My only hope is that you can do an angry Gabe Finocchio episode. Where <laughs> Absolutely. That's not try hard. Try to upset him. Just try to upset him <laughs> about Catholicism for a few minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I could, I could definitely do that. And if you can make a cameo appearance in that episode just as a mediator, that would be fantastic. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I had failed to mention in the introduction, but Pastor Landon is also part of the faculty at Theos University and Theos Seminary. Is that right? That is right. That is right. I was at a music festival in California and Nathan called me, Nathan Finocchio, and he doesn't call very often, even when you call him. So I was like, I <laughs> you should just have probably- to be on your deathbed. To yeah. get a call from Nathan, yeah. Yeah, uh, if I was on my deathbed, Nathan would show up around Jesus and Lazarus territory. <laughs> he would certainly make it, but not in, in, the, in the right time period. And he called me and asked me to be a part of it. So I've been a part of it for two years now, since basically the awesome. beginning. It's been awesome to be a part of, watch it grow. I believe in what yeah. they're doing. I, I firmly and strongly believe in the releasing of the monetization of Christian content at the potential future expense of what it is. We all have favorite TV shows that became awful because they couldn't stay on the air unless they changed Mm -hmm. the original writers or appealed to a, a larger audience or whatever is the artistic critique. And what they are doing, um, at the expense of money that they could make for the blessing and equipping of people is really something. It's yeah, really absolutely. something. And it, if Jesus doesn't come back, it will have generational impact. Mm. And for that, I am honored to be a part. Oh, awesome. And can you tell us a little bit about this guy, the Prince of Preachers, C.H. Spurgeon? He's quoted yeah. everywhere. Um, I know, especially in Baptist circles, he's one of the, yeah. the heroes, um, mm-hmm. especially of the last couple of centuries. So could you tell yeah. us a little bit about his background, his spiritual sure. formation, and how he sort of emerged on the scene as a voice in, in the Christian church? Absolutely. Spurgeon is, is an icon um, in conservative, reformed, a lot of circles. And I think that 
as God raises up this next generation of people that is less concerned about those walls than ever before, I think that he will become more of an icon in, in more circles. And for good reason, mm. he okay. is called the Prince of Preachers. He is probably the greatest preacher of all time. I mean, I haven't read sermons from all of the church fathers, but he certainly is the person that I've seen the most sermons from. He was He's like 1800s guy. If you're like way off the grid and you don't know anything about him, let me just get you up to speed on that front for anybody who's listening. He was born in 1834. He was baptized as an infant. So all you Catholics out there, you got one on him with (laughs) that. He read a lot as a child. He was really into like Pilgrim's Progress was apparently this Mm -hmm. big book for him when he was 10 years old. Also, when he was 10, there's this crazy story. Um, This pastor, Richard Nill, came to his town ended up connecting with Charles' family at church. Charles is 10 years old. And he says that he wants to talk with him more. So however that worked in the 1800s, they met up at the church or whatever they did. They ended up connecting again. They ended up praying as a family. And this pastor took Charles on his knee when he was 10. And he said, he was praying over this kid. And he said, you know, you are going to preach to great multitudes. Wow, amazing. And that proved true. He preached at what I understand was the greatest, the the not the greatest, the largest church in the mm. history of England. Not that necessarily wow. large churches are big, but certainly in times and in cultures where people are not walking with God, it is an yes. indicator of a lot. Totally. He is, he's like a Puritan. He loves the Puritans. He loves Calvin. He loves Augustine as everyone does. And John, <laughs> yeah. John Owen would kind of be like probably his Mount Rushmore. Um, he, he got saved. He has like a classic reformed saved story. He went, was going to a bunch of churches when he was a teenager, wasn't into it, went to a church where he has described the preacher as awful. (laughs) And he's actually more, more negative even than that. He just said he was a bad preacher. And during, (laughs) during the sermon, he guy was a shoemaker. Praise God for that guy. He was making shoes all week and preaching for free. And that guy led Charles Spurgeon to faith. So anyone out there who thinks they're not that good at preaching, you know, think about that shoemaker guy. I got to see in preaching class. He, the, the preacher said, look to me. He quoted scripture. He said, look to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. And Spurgeon (laughs) said he got saved at that moment. And apparently they either sung like an old hymn called Celestial City that day, or it was a part of it when he told the story later. And those, the words from that um, hymn are on his tombstone. So it's clearly was a really big deal for him. That's kind of just kind of like where he's at and where he comes from and, and that kind of vibe. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. And how did he sort of get into ministry? Like where did that sort of preaching, I know, I know he had that um, that prophetic word over him as he was like 10 years old, but how did he actually sort of make his way into that scene? He was just like your classic, the second he got saved, immediately started doing ministry. He was a, a lead pastor of a church when he was 18 wow. years old. Oh my gosh. And it's when you read like a biography of his, it, it it's crazy. It's like, I think he got saved when he was 16. And by the time he was 18, he was leading a church. And most people would yeah. think that that was insane. Yeah. You, you could even, you could even make the argument from some of the letters of Paul that that's too fast. Yeah. Even still, you can't, you can't argue with the results. Totally. Totally. 
God does what he wants to do. Anoints mm-hmm. who he wants to anoint. Let no one look down on you because of your youth. Amen. Come on. I love that. Wow. So um, can you tell us a little bit about, say, then his ministry journey, some of the big events in his ministry, also like um, maybe some of the big works? I know he printed, he had so many sermons that were published and so many quotes that we quote today. Um, But what are some big works and some big events in his uh, ministry journey? Absolutely. So his biggest thing was his preaching. He preached Mm -hmm. 2,200 sermons. Wow. (laughs) And... um, they are actually all online for free. Every single one of them. There's a website called archive.spurgeon.org and you can actually sort them by passage. So whoever did that website has done a great service to people. For years, I would go and just read a Spurgeon sermon on whatever I was preaching on. So he's like a preacher guy. He preaches all these sermons, but this is right around the time that they're starting to, the globalization is at its very earliest things. Mm, uh, very yeah. things is a terrible word. Great communication. It's at its <laughs> very, very earliest precipice of existing, and yeah. so they were actually wiring his sermons across the mm. Atlantic. There were lots and lots of people who were receiving them by mail. It was like, it was like a foreshadowing of fill in the blank of your favorite preacher that a ton of people watch regardless of how many people actually go to the church. That is such a remarkable thing about his life that Mm, because we always think, well, no one was listening to anyone else until 1998, but that's not true. (laughs) People were, people were weekly receiving via mail, Charles Spurgeon's sermons in the middle of the 1800s. And that's insane. It is. And that shows the demand for them. Yeah. He was a really big writer. There's an interesting anecdote from one of the biographies of him, which, which I can't remember which one it's in, but the interesting anecdote mm-hmm. is this. He was the, the most probably, you know, one of the most gifted orators. And he was like, I'm also yeah. going to write. He was talking to a mentor mm-hmm. and his mentor told him you shouldn't write because most people are either good at speaking or writing. And rarely is someone good at both. And Mm. he chose to disregard that. And we are blessed for it. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank God he did. (laughs) Yeah. He wrote a three volume um, on Psalms, which is my favorite of his. It's called The Treasury of David. Mm. It contains a full. I think I have it right here. You do. I have at least two. The Treasury of David. That's it. That's that's the one. How's that for a? Um, it's, show and tell. Actually, I have all three. Two. Is that that's in, that one's in three? Yeah. Yeah. Most of the ones I've seen are in three. It's um, it's re- it's really something he does yeah. in it. If you've if if you're listening and 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 you've never read it or used it, it's a great resource. And there's so many printings of it that you can get it for pretty cheap. I would advise you to to get a paper copy. Most commentaries are great and they are textual commentaries. And it is an, a person that is much smarter than me giving textual mm-hmm. comments on Hebrew and Greek and helping mm-hmm. you not be an idiot. That's what most commentaries are for. Spurgeon's <laughs> Treasury of David is not like that. It is mm-hmm. a preaching commentary. He's preaching to you so in it. So he's not going to tell you what the Hebrew word means mm-hmm. always. He is going to... And, and, but it's structured though. 
it's structured and he structures them out. And then at the end, he has a thing called um, quaint sayings and he'll go, he has a, a ton of sayings about that Psalm from other people that he has read. And amazing. so it's an amazing place to get content because you can get like 15 different people's take on a verse right from there. And so good. Yeah. There's like a big one called lectures to my students. Um, that is good. The one that I brought with me is called finding peace in life storms. Um, that's cool. I haven't read that. He did. He did, uh, saved in hope. And he did a whole chapter. He's known for doing like ludicrous amounts of content on the smallest amount of biblical <laughs> content. So awesome. I have I have seen 50 minute sermons on three words from the text and he doesn't yeah. stray from the text. And he does a, a, a 30 or 40 page chapter in Finding Peace in Life Storms on the anchor that holds within the veil. And... It's really, it's really something. I would highly, I would highly encourage anyone who's listening to check it out. Absolutely. Especially preachers. If you want a preacher to inspire you around the art of preaching, like who better to go to than Charles Spurgeon? That's all. That's right. That's Very cool. So could you tell us a little bit about then how does his life and his ministry sort of speak to us in our sort of cultural setting today? Is there anything that really stands Mm -hmm. out to you that you think, and I know you said in, in the beginning that he sort of will speak even into the future. Why do you think that is? And, and how do you think he speaks to our culture today? Yeah, I think powerful content is powerful content. And I think it mm-hmm. lives on regardless of who wrote it or what it's for. If it's powerful, it's going to live on. Um, we see that in film. We see that in music. You know, 19... 19- 72 everybody bought an equivalent amount of david bowie and carol king records and <laughs> no one no one even knows who carol king is now because wow. right rightly or wrongly history and i like carol king so that's don't don't email me about that but i <laughs> that's uh history proves what is what is powerful and that's the same mm-hmm. in christianity um and and people have decided i think rightly that this content needs to live on i think obviously oh, yeah. I think obviously he's impacted a ton in simple, clear, mm. um, textual preaching. Yeah. Um, I don't know of anyone in the circles I run in that more people have read on that mm. subject in terms of he doesn't really teach about preaching. They just listen to him or read him rather do it. Um, that is, I would say, the main way. Secondarily to that, I think his... He's one of those church fathers that you read and you just think, man, you must have had no hobbies. <laughs> like, yeah, his productivity anything. was crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Insane. You didn't do anything. You just woke yeah. up, yeah. got on your horse, <laughs> probably wrote six to 8,000 words of incredible content, drank yeah. some whiskey and went to bed. Smoked a cigar. He was famous for smoking cigars, wasn't he? He was. I've got a great anecdote about that later. You're going to love it. Cool. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, Yeah, awesome. And I love how you mentioned that he just 
he just pumped out content, sort of like you. You have so much content and so much great content getting out there. It's not not trash in any way. But the same with Spurgeon. It's like, where does this guy get yeah. the energy to just like keep going? Um, but yeah, no, I love that. That's incredible. And yeah, again, like just so inspiring for preachers, great quotes. And I think that transitions us well into the next space. So um, do you have any particular quotes that you would say have impacted you or that you just know I just... Um, prolific quotes that um, Spurgeon has put out there that just people for generations since have really connected with? I do. I've got my top five. Is that too top many? Top five. Awesome. Yeah. Is that is that too many? How, how, no, how... that's great. That's okay. great. You yeah. tell me if I'm talking too much. It will not no. bother me. <laughs> so I actually did this on a YouTube video. Um, awesome. And coming in at number five on mm-hmm. Psalm 23, Charles Spurgeon said, what condescension is this that the infinite Lord assumes towards his people, the office and character of a shepherd. Wow. Beautiful. Coming in at number four mm-hmm. on Colossians 1, 12 and 13, mm-hmm. he said, this passage is a mine of riches. I can anticipate the difficulty in preaching and the regret in concluding we shall experience this evening because we won't be able to dig out all the gold which lies in this precious vein. We lack mm. the power to grasp and the time to expatiate the volume of truths which is here condensed into a few short sentences. And then he preached on those two verses for 50 minutes and <laughs> said, I don't have enough time. Amazing. Yeah. Coming at number three. On Galatians uh, 6, 8, this one's very simple, but he said, Galatians 6, 8, um, he shall reap what the spirit really is and what the spirit really generates, life everlasting, mm-hmm. which in, the, in the, the space that I grew up in w- wouldn't be a typical uh, comment on that passage, which would wow. probably more be focused on effort. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, which is a fine focus for that passage and for that verse. Um, I'll just, I won't make you comment in between each one. I'll just do the last two. Yeah, no worries. You can say, say whatever you want. Um, yeah. On Luke 8, uh, what, what did I write? Oh, on October 22nd, 1885, he preached an entire sermon on Luke 18.1. And he said, get on the knees of your soul. Wow. And then my favorite, my favorite Spurgeon quote ever is from Psalm 150. It's at the very end of the treasury of David. So he's written three volumes, a couple thousand, thousand so pages, hundreds, hundred thousand words. I don't know, probably. And he says this Psalm 150. We have now reached the last summit of the mountain chain of Psalms. It rises high into the clear azure and its brow is bathed in the sunlight of the eternal world of worship. It is a rapture. Beautiful. Oh, well, I just love the way he articulates his his thoughts and the way he phrases it. Just his eloquence is just brilliant, isn't it? It's just it is. beautiful. Imag- it's so beautiful. Imagine having a piece of paper and a pen and writing that sentence. <laughs> yes. Imagine. Imagine. 
<laughs> Absolutely amazing. Yeah, he was incredible. Um, some great quotes there. Um, Pastor Landon, do you have any fun facts or fun stories? We always like to finish up with, you know, just some crazy things that might have happened to them or some interesting things. Um, do you have any fun stories that you could share with us about Charles Haddon Spurgeon? The legend. I do. The legend. Um, he, his library had 30,000 books in it. Oh my gosh, how? <laughs> I don't even know how that's possible. That's amazing. I mean, your library looks huge. Yeah. <laughs> but what is it? Probably a thousand? Oh, I couldn't even tell you. I really don't yeah. know. And it's just filled with like book donations. So I don't always know the quality of the books that are in in this library at, at church. Well, that's the right way to do it. Whenever people yeah. start a record collection, I'm like, just go to the record store, buy a, yeah. they'll have boxes of records no one wants. Buy those, put them on your shelves, and then fill in the records you do want as you get them, and maybe you'll find a gem for 10 cents. Brilliant. And how many records do you have? Because your record collection is just inspiring. It's a sight to behold. Yeah, I think many, many people who love me and love listening to me talk would not want to anymore if they knew how much time, energy, <laughs> on my record collection. But I started collecting in 2005, and it's about 1,200 right now. Um, it's been fun. It's been fun. My son's getting into it. My son got, my son is six. He got his first record, um, a seven inch and he's like, dad, I can't put this with your records. I have to have my own collection. Yes, of course he does. Was it some sort of, some veggie tales record? What did he get? No, you know, I'm friends with the record store owner, uh, down the street from my house and he was so sweet. He let him pick out a couple. I can't even remember what it was. Um, but we'll make sure that we get him like something really good for the first one he chooses. Yes, you know, totally. Like, yeah, Can't like be a, embarrassing. Wings, you know, something something really classic like something that. Something cool. I think the Absolutely. first CD I ever bought was like a Backstreet Boys CD, which is very right. it's shameful, really. <laughs> which one, Millennium? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it really was a Backstreet Boys or In Sync world back then. Totally. Totally. Um, All right. No, that's awesome. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. So, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But yeah, back to things that matter. So we had 30,000 books in his library. And then I've got one interesting one and one funny one. I'll do the interesting one first. He's the only church father I know. I don't even know if people who like church fathers would call him a church father. They'd probably be like, he's way too late in the game. Either way, that's I would consider him in that lineage He's the only one that I know that has a work that's dedicated just to his wife. So there's actually an entire book that is exclusively about Charles Spurgeon's wife. And she was really some, she was amazing. There is a passage in one of the biographies um, of Spurgeon that talks about when he was going through absolutely excruciating physical pain And he had to pray to God, God, I literally can't deal with that level of pain any more time. And he said that God never put him to that level again. And his wife was always there by his side, which is not a good anecdote about her because it sounds like that's all, that was a bad example of what I was talking about. Anyways, (laughs) You should check out this book about her. She really was somebody. She was really, really something. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And then on the cigar thing, there's this great, my favorite Spurgeon anecdote is this one, which is that Mm -hmm. it was way back in the day when people would like 
sit on stage while their guest preacher was preaching. Yep. Yep. And I think some churches still do that. My college did that for conferences. And so there's the guy up front and there's just a bunch of guys behind there listening, Mm -hmm. which would not be fun because everyone is watching you listen to a sermon. Um, And the guy that was preaching it. So that's the, uh, a guest and Spurgeon sitting behind him. Um, and the guy gives an example of smoking cigars as sin. And he says that this is a sinful decision to make. Now, everybody in his congregation presumably knows that he smokes cigars often. And so he got up to close the service and he said, Now, we all know that what to one man is sin, another man can enjoy to the glory of God. And I fully intend to enjoy a cigar to the glory of God before I go to bed. (laughs) So savage. Boom. Yeah. Just crushes the guy. Crushes the guy in his own church. Crazy. I think he he got a bit of backlash for that, didn't he? I think they were just like, yeah. Yeah. The backlash waves were way slower back then. So, you know, around the mix. Not yeah. like now that one girl, I can't remember who she tweeted something. And by the time she got off the plane, she was trending on Twitter and lost her job. No, the, I don't know who that is. The world is just a horrible place. It's psycho, isn't it? Yeah. It's a cesspool, really. <laughs> it, is. it is. The internet is a cesspool. Um, no, that's awesome. Do you have um, anything else that you want to tell us about Charles Spurgeon? Is there anything, any gold that you want to leave us with or any thoughts that you've had anyways that he's impacted your life? I think the best way to jump in if people are watching this and they want to jump in is to go to archive.spurgeon.org and just read mm-hmm. a sermon on a passage that you really like. It can be a bit intimidating to get like a thousand page mm. Psalms commentary. And you're not going to read that cover to cover unless you're yeah. an, an angel. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah. That's what I would say about that. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Great place to start. Thank you, Pastor Landon. If people want to follow your ministry and find some of your resources online, where can Mm -hmm. they find um, those things? I am on Instagram. I am Landon McDonald. um, And I do uh, content swipe. I'm starting to do some swipe content there to bless people. Um, I'm on YouTube. You just type in Pastor Landon and uh, I love doing it. I I would love to bless anybody. I've got some written content that I love to give away uh, to people who want to use it for ministry. So That's you send awesome. me an email. My email is under all my YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. And um, just don't do what many churches did during COVID, which is download it, rip it, upload it during your service and post it back on YouTube because then YouTube will tell me that my video <laughs> got So please just, don't, please just don't do that because I don't want to have to try to take it down. I don't want to have that crisis of conscience anymore. Yes. Absolutely. No, awesome. Thank you so much for being with us today, Pastor Landon. Um, what a great episode and a great man to to study, C.H. Spurgeon. We will see you guys who are watching next time on the Eagle and Child podcast. Thanks, Pastor Landon. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you. Thanks so much for tuning into the Eagle and Child podcast. That's all from us for today. If you want to support us, you can like, subscribe or drop us a review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Eagle and Child podcast. We'll catch you next time. Much love.